News in progress. Behind the scenes. Three. Two. So what's up, everybody? It's Nisi here from the Red Eye Media Group News in Progress, and I have a very special interview today. I'm actually going to be in a play. It's coming out on October 1st and 2nd in New York City, and I have some of the people in the play with me. First of all, they casted me, so shout out to them. And they're, like, fully involved in the whole entire process. So we got some questions together, and we just hope, you know, guys listen in, and if you like what we've heard here, you check us out on Zoom. If you can't physically come to New York City, it's fine. We have it. We'll link it all in the post and everywhere else. We hope you can share it if you can attend. Whatever you can do, you can donate to the companies and help everyone in however you can. You know, if very least you like the interview, share it with a friend. So I think we can get into it, right? Or we can go over some quick bio. So you guys know me, I'm Tahira. We'll start with Fran. Hello, how Hi. are you, Tahira? I'm good. See you. <laughs> and to be with Jeff and Dakota. Yup. So we have Dakota. <laughs> hey there, I'm Dakota Martin. I am directing this play. It's an Italian thing, no, it's a black thing. Um, Jeff and I work alongside each other for Chill Bucket Productions, uh, and we've been producing and directing things throughout the pandemic together um, and before it and hopefully after it. <laughs> That's awesome, and we have Jeff. Hi guys, I'm Jeff Rocco. Um, also hoping that things continue after the pandemic. We'll see. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm excited to be working on this this story and excited to get it in front of an audience and see what people think. Yes, we all are. So like I said, we're all part of this project. We all are at the same level. You know, I will be asking the questions on behalf of the Red Eye, but I will also be answering some of them that pertain to my character and such. So I want to start off with Fran, why did you choose this story? And I'm also asking it to you guys at Chill Bucket, why'd you pick this story? Right, I didn't really identify myself in the beginning. My name is Fran Cisco. My last name is spelled S-I-S-C-O. And I, I'm the playwright, I wrote the story. And um, why I picked this story or why I wrote this story was as a result of me getting more familiar with matters that involve diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I challenged my own beliefs about that, including matters about gender, because I'm a transgender woman and I've faced many of the issues that many trans, trans or LGBT people face. And it made me more sensitive to those issues that people face because of race, or religion differences or disability ability, whatever. And so what happened was that I was involved in this group through the Episcopal Actors Guild. Uh, and I did a, a show there about a year ago. Anyway, through meetings with them and stuff, I felt that it could be better, perhaps better understood or appreciated if it was in the form of a play rather than a series of seminars or speeches or whatever. And so then I came, then I had this, this idea popped up and, uh, and I pursued it and then I, I expanded it a bit. And uh, that's, how, that's how it came about, was trying to do something that was positive, but yet through comedy. And from doing stand-up comedy, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the use of comedy and being more fully expressed. I used 
stand-up comedy about 10 years ago, starting about 10 years ago, to come out more about my own relationship with my family, all things about trans and stuff. Long answer, but that's, uh, that's how I was inspired to or came up with this story. Yeah, no, that's 100% awesome. So it's actually like, it's like a passion thing. It started that way and then it's actually coming to fruition. That's like a lot of people's dreams in life, you know? I am so, so I mean, thrilled that Jeff yeah. <laughs> took this on and so thrilled that it was cast by some very good actors, including yourself. You're playing my, or the character Frankie's uh, uh, girlfriend, you know, maybe wife-to-be. Couldn't pick a better person. They cast you so well. Awesome. And from the chill bucket side, what do you guys, you know, what was your like, hmm, like we really want to do this one, put your energy and everything behind it? So um, for for us, we we always like to approach things from a story perspective and how that story can inform our audiences and inform communities about whatever the story is presenting, whether it's, you know, uh, an issue or um, just reminiscing or historical or, you know, whatever that is. We try to bring stories that we think are relevant and inclusive. And this story about a transgender woman with a younger African-American girlfriend um, meeting that girlfriend's mom for the first time really resonated with me and after uh, you know, an hour of convincing Dakota. Um, <laughs> we really, what I love about the story is that it's a normal story involving a transgender woman and her girlfriend. You know, so many, so many stories that we see about people in the LGBTQ community are about violence against them or about, you know, having to come out or all, not negative in nature, but sort of with negative undertones. And I love that this is a story about members of the LGBTQ community and it's just them living their lives in everyday situations. They're meeting each other's parents, they're meeting each other's families and sort of all of the you know, pivots and, and crazy that comes with that. Um, and that's really what, what I loved about the story. And then, you know, Dakota, um, I also, my, my way of convincing Dakota <laughs> was, um, sort of going through her her girlfriend and saying, you know, hey, remember how nervous you were the first time you met Ju Julie's family and remember how how nervous Julie was the first time she met your family? And that's the story. And that's that's what we love about it. 100%. You want to add anything else, Dakota? I, he's a complete liar. I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know. That is nothing of what happened at all. I don't know where he's... <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I think what he means by more so convincing is that um, Jeff's completely correct. A, a lot of the things we do are, you know, there's some kind of underlying educational, historical factor, and we're always usually picking older, more traditional um, music or theater because we keep saying these things are still valid. These things still have a great message and add value um, and are still spreading such a great message. And to do something like this that was so contemporary um, is really different for me. Um, so 
just to read through the script and not judge it and say, hey, this is a good story and we want to put that out there. I think that was um, a big step for, for us too and for me especially to um, just kind of take it at face value. Awesome. All right, so we're going to move on. So this is the first time I'm like performing in theater. I come from the dance world, so I definitely have theater experience, but not like as a performer or I like, you know, I did, I jumped straight to like the film. All right, I lived in Hollywood, I was in CBS and the producers and you do all stuff in a little room and then they give you this and you're like being shuttled to the trailer. I did that. This is very close. I feel better doing it. I feel like, you know, when you do something from childhood, it feels homey to you. This feels homey to me. But also I wanted to ask you guys, like, you know, obviously Broadway shut down completely. Those of you guys who don't live in New York, I grew up here. So it was like, even though I wasn't on Broadway, it still affected my, I'm like, what do you mean? Like I came to your show, like it was a big deal. So what kept you guys like inspired? You guys can answer in order. What kept you inspired when Broadway shut down? Like Broadway theater, everything. Couldn't even be in a theater. Well, I found other things to do and other ways to present stories and, so I focused perhaps more on where I was usually performing twice, to, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week in various different variety shows or comedy or whatever. I was performing less that way, but then I started more Zoom shows and I found myself connecting to people who I would not have connected to just based on being in person, you know. And then I also got more involved in writing you know, and other activities. But I would say that I got more done, actually. I was more pro productive, prolific, whatever, during the pandemic. And I saw that as a period of time that was very special. I mean, it had some horror to it, people dying and sick and stuff. But it had, a, it gave me the opportunity to reflect on what I really felt was important in life and some of these basics that Dakota and Jeff were talking about, of, you know, of family and of relationships and things like that. So that became pretty consuming, you know, uh, and in a good way. So I reached out during that pandemic. And then, so finally, then I guess back in April or May, I started doing stand-up comedy again uh, maybe a little bit earlier than perhaps I should have, but we were all masked. And I think it was the first day that New York City opened. I was on the stage again. So um, felt lucky. And I did have COVID in the early stages and I got through that. Uh, okay. You know, with some resident fear and stuff that were being more cautious and careful as a result of that and more appreciative of our health, you know? And so life is good. I think of this as the grand awakening that we all have been through this period that's been very challenging, but now that we're through it or hopefully through it, as Jeff had said, hopefully through it. And even if we're not through, even if there's a couple of setbacks we as a nation, as a world, have gotten more unified, I believe, even though there's been some cases of not that, um, some issues like that. But I think overall, we've gotten more spiritual, more appreciative of each other, and what we all can do to help each other. I really think that that has 
has come about. So, so anyway, that's what I felt during the pandemic. That's awesome. Uh, Dakota. I mean, Jeff and I, Jeff and I thought um, we better get in on this um, online theater before it's all over and no one cares anymore. So Jeff said, no, we have to do it in May, the play, because it's all gonna be over and no one's gonna care anymore. We're gonna all be back. So that was May, 2020. And since then, I think we've done eight more virtual shows. I think it's caused us to get more creative and more um, innovative and, and dabble into more um, filming and editing and things like that. And honestly, there were many times when Jeff and I were all over the place with jobs and um, not having theater. I think there were many times where like our phone calls and our meetings with actors were like, wow, this really like made my week because this week sucked. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, to piggyback, I lost my job during COVID. So yay, go team. Uh, so, so working, working so much on so many virtual things with Chill Bucket and uh, growing new skills and developing those skills and, you know, out of nowhere, watching YouTube video tutorials and all of that. Um, that's really what got me through because I, it, it really sort of forced me to look at my relationship with theater because I used to go see shows two three times a week you know what I mean and then here like I couldn't bring myself for the first probably six months I couldn't watch anything like that was streaming or anything like that because it was too raw for me like I just lost my job in theater I could hadn't been inside a theater for months you know like it was too much for me to even like approach for the first six months of the shutdown um, and so working virtually really sort of kept me going, which, um, is cool. Cause now I've, you know, developed some, some new skills and, and now here we are streaming this performance simultaneously while it's live. So, uh, good things, even though it was, it was, it's been a very, very rough year and a half. Yeah. I don't think Zoom's going anywhere anytime soon. Honestly, we've all learned new skills. Nope. <laughs> We're having all kinds of parties on Zoom, all the pandemic. It's like. Never going back to the club again. <laughs> that to me anyway, but really good answers. I really like that. I think definitely people, I haven't really heard those answers because I haven't been talking to theater people. So it's actually, I, I feel that. And I'm like, shout out to you guys for being here for real, for real. Like, I don't just say that a lot of people don't have that happiness in them. They're like, yeah, no, I don't do this. I don't know what life is about. So it's light that you guys are bringing into this space. So shout out to you guys. So one more I have for like the group, it's the community theater and like off Broadway kind of thing. So, you know, we know it's like it costs money to put on productions and all that stuff, right? With all the level that you guys have and, you know, you came from different worlds and then you kind of met each other. What do you think you're all bringing to this project? To, uh, it's an Italian thing. No, it's a black thing in this space. With the you know, like everything you guys just said, like what is it going to be for October 1st and 2nd? I, should I go first? By the way, I just want to add this about Zoom. Zoom is very effective, as Jeff and Dakota was saying, too, and it's new skills. And when a friend of mine who was a priest that really influenced my life died about a year and a half ago, I, uh, I put together the family wasn't even ready to do a memorial or a Zoom memorial. I took it on myself 
And we had about 30 people on that Zoom memorial. And the PS says, the live memorial just happened, you know, a year and a half later, last weekend. And the people that I were at that live memorial up in Saratoga said to me how important and meaningful that Zoom was for them. So in addition to Zoom helping us entertain and be entertained, it's also sharing our hearts and souls with people and being there for them. And um, your question is what? This current question. How does all your experiences working with each other, you know, yeah. Jeff and Dakota from different worlds, how does all these things mushroom into what the audience is going to see on October 1st and 2nd? Everything you this guys is, worked in. This is the uh, fourth play I've written. And I've written, you know, many others. I was a columnist. I used to write essays all the time. And poetry. I've written about 300 poems and songs and stuff. So my my basic stuff is as a writer. But about 10 years ago, I started performing, as I mentioned, in stand-up comedy. And I developed, I think, a comedic sense that is not coming across here in this conversation, maybe. <laughs> She's funny, really? But anyway, I developed this, this comedy sense and, and I could write it also. And so I combined my writing skill with my comedy and my love of being with people. And I found a love for the stage. And I'd say, I think that's what I really bring to it. I, you know, um, is combining those two. And- uh, I got you. So in Hollywood, they would call you a sitcom writer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Basically. Well, I'm hoping that <laughs> I get hired as a sitcom writer to bring, it's an Italian thing, though it's a Black thing, to TV. That's one of our goals. Right. Um, yeah, and same for you guys at Show Bucket. You know, I know you said you work together, but, you know, what are the, you know, is the audience going to see you feel any of that, you know, or is it going to still feel, you know? Um, we actually, all three of us, have met through a community theater production uh, Fran, Jeff, and I up in Westchester. And prior to that, Jeff and I had met um, through another project. Um, and we crossed paths a bunch of times working either backstage or on the stage. And um, <clears throat> that's how we became really good friends and decided to even start working together um, and, you know, fostering Chill Bucket into what it is today. So I think um, meeting through community theater and having all those bonds and hopefully a bunch of our uh, local supporters will come either streaming or coming down to um, New York City, but it is so exciting for us. This is our first show um, in New York City and um, and back in person. So that's, we're really thrilled to be, um, to be back and doing this live. Yes, I feel that in rehearsals. <laughs> I really do though. I think that we're bringing sort of a more personalized experience to to the stage with this show. You know, we've got we're going to have um, a pianist, Frank Pizzani, playing um, some music as people walk in. We're going to have people streaming the show online. We have the talk back afterwards. I feel like the biggest difference between professional theater and community theater is that sort of lack of personal touches. You know, you walk into a professional theater, you have your ticket scanned, 
you get a drink at the bar that's ridiculously overpriced you sit down the show starts maybe there's a pre-show announcement you know community theater you go there's some crazy artistic director standing on the stage at the beginning shouting about how wonderful everything is you know at intermission there's a bunch of volunteers serving baked goods there's raffles there's all these things you know and i feel like that sort of atmosphere is not something that's seen in um in professional theater and unfortunately we're not bringing the volunteers with the baked goods because you know covid um but i think that that's something that we're we're really shooting for is sort of bringing that personal feel into the room while with the audience while whether they're streaming online or whether they're with us in person yes i love that i'd like to go ahead Brent. oh i i just like to add uh jeff said we're not bringing baked goods in uh volunteers on which is true but there is an imagined discussion of a chocolate cake with chocolate ice icing that is so appetizing and delicious that it almost serves as well as if we had the real thing. So are you saying you're bringing chocolate cake for right, everybody? For, friends? The, for everybody. <laughs> yeah, in their mind. So anyway. I was going to say, since it's like an entertainment site, I was saying you guys are very, it's like, do you guys see the Netflix show Shit's Creek? And you guys saw that one? So it's like, <laughs> like you and Maura went back to the small town. It's like, that's. Yes. <laughs> That episode is wildly accurate. <laughs> not even that's not even an exaggeration of our lives. Right. Um, <laughs> actually, that is that was our life. Like it's funny Dakota though. Like actually, I say, a lot of people got that. Like it's small town. It it made you. I mean, that's why that show is like that though. It's that yeah. everything you just said. That was what they were aiming for in that entire show, and they had Emmys. So right. Also, actually aliens too. <laughs> that's funny. Also, oh, Resident Alien sci on Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, I saw the that. Even though the person comes from mm -hmm. another planet. I'm gonna look into that. Um, okay, cool. So, not to change gears a little bit, but there is a lot of heaviness in the world. Though we've been trying to be up, you know, we're performers, we're in the entertainment space to a degree. We try to keep things light, but we know that there is heaviness. What hopes do we all have? Do you guys have for like the audience? Um, I'll go first because I just like I say this is the first time I'm bringing people and I'm like hey I'm not I'm in a play and they're like I'm definitely gonna see you and I'm like oh like <laughs> I'm trying to make people be impressed like I want people like whoa like this is really good I didn't think it was gonna be this good that's why in rehearsal we won't give away too much but I've been just saying the things that I've said because I really am trying to do good and I can't say I felt like that not on jobs or anything like that in a long time the pandemic took me out of caring about trying to impress people and whatever until this you know, so that's, that's what it is going to be hundred percent for me. And what you think? Unmute. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, from, from the prior rehearsals before Jill Bucket's rehearsals, I was getting a pretty amazing response from people who are not connected to the story of what they felt from seeing it. And then when I shared the script with others, I was getting, uh, I was engaged in pretty deep conversations with people. And so I, I felt that whatever heaviness, because there are dramatic moments in this comedy, whatever heaviness there might be around us or within the story, um, it, it all comes from really a positive 
and enlightening and engaging feeling that comes from it. So I, I think, I feel, I hope that my little thing in life, my little part in this, along with Dakota and Jeff, is bringing some light to the world and it will lead to more and more and it's contagious among people. And we know that from other plays and films and books and things like that, when they really move people, change, social change does happen and personal change. So I'm, I'm encouraged. <laughs> All right, and you guys as director producers, what do you guys feel? Um, yeah, um, I think a lot of, there's a lot of issues going on in the play in a small, in a small period of time. Um, but like Fran said, it's also just a story where these things come up. And so often, you know, we're being preached at or, and especially during this time, there's not only been this global pandemic, there's been, um, a lot of, um, injustices and examples of oppression with race and gender and all these different things have come up. And I think, like I've said a couple of times with the cast, I think these things were going on, but we're just saying like, oh, where are all the, everything's coming at us now. But I think we're just becoming more and more aware and having that time, like Brian said, to kind of reflect this year, we are becoming more aware and thinking oh, what are we doing in our lives? How is this, you know, so all of these things are kind of positives, um, even throughout the heaviness, we've had to deal with a lot of issues coming at us. And I think um, the play deals with them in a good way where it sparks a conversation with people um, to kind of discuss and, and also comes out with some joy at the end of it, you know? I hope that people just, it builds an awareness. You know, we, we don't know what we don't know and we can't experience what we don't experience. Um, and theater is a way for people to experience things that they can't experience. And I think there's a lot of characters in this that people can see in their everyday lives. And I hope that they can take this either into their lives or, you know, just into thought and consider, um, what someone else might be going through that they maybe have no clue about. Right, 100%. I like that. So this is a good space for us to let you know. Tickets are on sale right now. You guys can go check it out at, is it chillbucketbp.com? Chillbp, just chill. chill. chill sorry, chillbp.com. We will tag it and all the stuff, like I said, but you guys are listening. You are so inspired. You want to buy a ticket right now? We're not going to stop you. <laughs> so we have a few more questions. This is just more di directly to, um, you know, each of us. First one is for you. Well, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. You know, you, you're, you're playing the character of Tanasia. Frankie is my character, Frankie's girlfriend. And, uh, and she goes through many emotions and challenges in this short story. So how did you prepare for the audition? You probably had one section yeah. you know, that you used 
uh, in your audition. audition. So I found it. Yep, I found it originally on Backstage. So I know a lot of people have been asking me, how did you find the casting and stuff? So Backstage is still there, even though things moved to Zoom. I think people thought that like the industry shut down for real. It's like we went online. So things are still there. I want to just make that note. You guys can still do this. Like it's there. There's opportunities, obviously. Um, I saw that it was LGBTQ and like kind of like Black Lives Matter to a degree. So that hit like almost everything that I already act, like I'm an activist where I talk about it for free anyway. Like this is what I'm passionate about. The only thing I had to like really look up was like pansexual. I had no idea like what that meant. I never even really, you know. So that's what I did. When I did the audition tape, I tried to think like I have a lot of gay friends. I have friends who are like lesbians, but at one point they had like kid, they had a kid and were with a guy. I tried to be like one of them. Like I tried to maybe talk because like, you know, the way that they talk, it's like you're kind of boy and girl at the same time to a degree sometimes, you're, you're tonage. So I thought like from that point of view. So that's, that's what I did for real. I'm not kidding. They didn't know what pansexual was. And it was a little like, I don't know if I could do this. But you can, you know, you just have to research. <laughs> and non-binary, right? Non-binary, yep. Non-binary with that. Yeah. And how did it feel to you when you tried on that person? I mean, I've been telling people like, I feel like, outside of the sexual sexuality aspect of it, I feel like I am pansexual already. I don't, I'm just pan. I'm a humanitarian. I don't, people are like, I don't see color. I really don't. I don't judge people based on how you look to me, you know? And that's like religious, educate, whatever it could be. You could be from wherever. People judge people, you come from the suburbs or you're from the city. It doesn't matter. I take people as how they are. So I just approach it from that point of view, you know? Yeah, that's really how I, so I got that part of it's not acting. <laughs> Yeah. So, and it's why I like, like the character I've been telling people about it because it, it really does resonate. I think there are a lot of teenagers in the world. You know, there are. Yeah. So, yep. You're doing a very, very good job. Thank of you. It. We'll see. October 1st. <laughs> um, yeah. T part of what we loved about your audition was that it was just like, you're saying like very natural. And most of the times when you get to play characters um, or characters that you'll be cast as is stuff that you kind of resonate with or feel. So um, yeah, it was an easy, easy choice for us. Um, Thank you guys. Another easy choice was Fran. Um, when Fran approached us with the script, uh, we were wondering too, if she would like to play, you know, the lead character or if we were gonna have to cast someone completely different. Um, and I mean, we were really thrilled that she also wanted to be in it because um, Fran, you add a ton of depth to the character, you know, having a lot of backstory. So um, where does the character of Frankie come from? Is it a lot of your own experiences and your own life? Um, well, I, in my adult life, I didn't have a, a relationship with an African-American girl. But when I was in ninth grade, I did. It was short lived. <laughs> and and uh, unfortunately, I found out about four years ago by a mutual friend who was my friend in ninth grade and saw this going on. Me at that, that time, very few Italian-American boys would go out with a black girl. It just was, you know, unheard of. But I did. And this other friend saw that and sort of wish that she was in, but anyway, she told me that that person passed away. So I always hoped that I would one day see her again, you know? 
So uh, although she would be now my age, you know, much older than you are, this was sort of a way that I kind of presenced her again in my life. My old girlfriend was not a long-term relationship, but I've also, although uh, I've been married and have had a relationship with my wife, I don't have that romantic relationship anymore. We don't live together. We're still soulmates. We talk every other day. And um, I still like a relationship with an individual, with a person and a romantic one. So uh, in my fantasy, I, I'm, not, I'm more pansexual now than anything. And the pan for me includes uh, really every, every color, every race, probably sticking just to the homo sapien species. I'm just, I want to stay within that species, you know, and not go, not go too far afoot from that. But uh, within that, every, anything, age, everything is up for, up. Uh, I just got back from an artist meeting and there was a man who was, uh, who was uh, disabled and he was in a, like a wheelchair and he was with his wife. And I saw the love that those two people had for one another that despite his disability, she still had love for him. And that's the way I'm kind of seeing myself in this part of my life is to be more open to all kinds of people. So, so but it, it wasn't really fully autobiographical. It's not present day, but maybe as a result of this uh, play, you know, I'm gonna have uh, a stage by true events. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. All good. No, that sounds great. She'd have me. <laughs> All right. I got a question for Jeff. So New York City, we talked about Broadway, talked about you not even being able to watch stuff for six months because the pandemic kind of just took you out the whole space. What, like how long, like the theater that we are going to be in is the Episcopal Actors Guild. Like what's your background with them? Maybe you could tell us more about what other things they do before. Like, why did you guys pick this theater essentially? <laughs> So um, we were actually introduced to the Episcopal Actors Guild through Fran. Uh, Fran is a member. And what's cool about the Guild is they are sort of, not sort of, they are a resource for actors in need. So they have, um, they, have a, they have a food service where actors can come and get food if they need. And they also connect actors with different resources throughout the city. Um, because we all know that acting is a job that isn't full time all the time. You know, it's not a nine to five. It might be a nine to five for six months or a year or, you know, whatever. Um, but there's those, those periods of no work and the Episcopal Actor Guild, Actors Guild um, really works to help actors through those periods, which is amazing. They've been around almost a hundred years, which is super cool to be, have, been, have been around in New York City for almost a hundred years. Um, and their space, Guild Hall, is um, just above, it's above a church on 29th Street. And it's a small, small space, so about 50, 50 people in the audience. And, you know, there's a stage. And it's a really intimate space, which I think is a good place for this story. And when Fran, when Fran mentioned it, and, you know, I went online and looked at it, it I think this is, this is the place where this story needs to sort of have its introduction to the the world at large and so i think it's going to be it's going to be great 
Wow, that's really powerful. I didn't even know that. I hope uh, maybe we can get some of their resources listed in the story too, so people can know that they have the actor's resources, because that's really powerful. I'd like, I mean, to, I'd like to add a couple those. of things. Go ahead. Sorry, I'd like to add a couple of things to what Jeff said, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, which was all true. Uh, I've been a member for about three or four years. I've seen some performances there. There are about 700 members. And in addition to the food pantry and being a resource and connecting with other organizations that are resources, they actually do give money away, financial aid. There is an endowment. Money is raised through various different means, through donations and, and stuff and gifts, bequests. Um, but they also, if so, if you're an actor or you know of an actor who is in need, a financial need, uh, you can put in an application. You have to demonstrate that you were uh, or recently been a full-time actor, you know, in the, in the industry and stuff. But they have a proven track record of helping people in need all the way back over this, you know, 100-year period of time. And um, uh, another thing about the Episcopal Actors Guild, you, it's non-sectarian. In fact, you don't even have, it doesn't care about your faith or, or lack thereof. You don't even, you can even be an atheist and be affiliated with the organization. So uh, the organization came out for a loving or doing a, a PSA for Black Lives Matter because it's in their heart to respect all kinds of people. And I was involved in that PSA about a year ago and they have an organ uh, a group called Sustainable Conversations, which I'm part of uh, on about race and stuff. So they really do speak the DEI message of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they, it fits perfectly to this play, you know, what the message of this play is too. So um, really overjoyed of doing it. The premiere of it is there. I mean, yeah, it, that's probably it can't be better. Lin-Manuel Miranda, we're trying to get, you know, like everyone last year, we're trying to find, and that's that, they're at the top level, right, Hamilton? We're trying to find people to, so imagine you guys saying it at the lower level already, which I felt like everyone was working, so I don't know why certain actors are, you know, but this is the life that we live. So yeah, this is probably stuff. We're definitely going to add more information into the post as well, into the podcast notes. So yeah, we got one more question, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes, this is my question. Ha ha. Um, Dakota. Um, so for, for, I don't know if Fran or Tahir, I don't know if you guys know this. Dakota and actually I dated for like a minute, um, yeah. literally a minute. Um, but what, Dakota is now, just Dakota, you are now happily living with your girlfriend. And how do you think living with a woman has influenced your direction of these characters? Um, yeah, see, Jeff and I try to keep it very professional. We uh, usually never bring that up. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's really funny, though, because it's a perfect example, too, of uh, when you meet someone and you just know, like, we're supposed to be in each other's lives, but we really weren't quite sure how that was going to happen. And this company, honestly, um, <clears throat> gave us the right direction that we really needed. I think we've grown closer and closer by working together. Um, yeah, I think 
Uh, Jeff was one of the first people that I told we were casting a sh we were casting a show in person, and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna go on a date with this girl." Um, so Jeff has become my like confidant, which is crazy, and uh, we call my girlfriend the consultant all the time when we need advice on uh, on shows. We um, we actually have been together now for two years, and it's been quite. Uh, quite a roller coaster experience. I think um, we touch a lot about DEI aspects in the show of there being race issues, right? But um, the other part of the show, there's blacks and there's Italians. And all of us who are in the show who are not black are actually Italian. So it's very authentic. And I think we've all as Italian Americans probably had slightly different experiences, but it was quite hard um, coming for my family, you know, coming to terms with, with some of this. So, um, I think theater and this show and shows like this are a way to help, um, constantly educate, constantly make things feel more approachable and more relatable. Cause like Jeff said, for me, this has been a really great experience too, because it's just a story involving LGBT community, involving people of different races and we're all um, just living, you know? So for me to be able to direct this, it was a really big challenge because it dealt with a lot of issues and it made me have to come to terms with a lot of um, issues like, like Fran's been talking about things. Um, how, how do I think about things? How, what's normal for me? What's normal for other people? Um, so it's been a really fulfilling experience for, um, for me too, as just as a person, besides being a director, but the cast has been so thoughtful and so loving and and gracious um, and puts up with my crazy antics. Um, She's actually and, a really uh, good director. Thank <laughs> like, you. We've been having a great time so far. <laughs> We've been yeah. having a great time on Zoom so far, so I'm very excited to get um, all of us in person on Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. You actually reminded me just now of like Billy Porter. He said he had an interview with like one of those actors on actors. He was talking about like the last season of Pose, obviously from Pose. And you know, their character were like brimming up to the end. So they really had to like, and he said, he's, there's a scene, there's a part where he talks, he's like, you know, I told the camera people like the first two seasons, you were getting five takes of all these things. But like this one, because it was like really hitting his own he had he came out with saying that he had AIDS after the show wrapped. So just imagine like you're playing a character that had AIDS. The world doesn't even know that, you know, it's like, Ooh, it's crazy. So you're just saying that you just kind of reminded me of when he said that. And it's like, yeah, it's so real for people. People watching on TV, you're playing a character or on the stage. And it's like, I'm an actually a human being though. And these are real words coming out of my mouth or emotions, you know what I mean? So yeah, but um, yeah, thank you guys so much for your time today. I don't know if anybody has final words. We have a couple more minutes. I don't like to keep it recording for too long because you know, but anything else you guys want to mention, maybe your Instagrams or anything like that, promotional stuff. I'll go first. Chill Bucket. Um, we have, you can follow us on Instagram. It's just Chill Bucket. Um, we're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. And then the website, again, for tickets is www.chillbp.com. And we are in person and streaming October 1st and 2nd at 8 p.m. Woohoo! <laughs> 
Um, you guys can follow me, Tahira, uh, Savannah, my, you know, actor kind of pages, my personal one, not the red I did, you guys know, it's I Let the Good Times Roll, I've been, um, I had a music video I put out, I was pushing that, but um, this week, it's going to be the link for the tickets are going to be in my bio, uh, I believe uh, Dakota told us last week that she's going to put out some clips for us, like in rehearsal, we're actually going on the stage this week to practice and for the show, so we'll have more stuff to come out, so definitely follow me, who's next? Should I go? Uh, my name is Francisco, S-I-S-C-O. I use Facebook more than uh, Instant Messenger. And if you put in Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, and then S-I-S-C-O, you'll probably wonder where I got all the time to put up thousands of posts on Facebook. But you can find out more about me on Facebook. My website, which is uh, uh, anyway, I'm not going to judge it. It's www.trans, T-R-A-N-S. However, trans, I'm leaning more toward really recommending people use proper nouns rather than pronouns. Yeah. Use the name. So if you're talking about somebody, instead of saying he or she, say their name, their first name, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's often a way to really endear you to the person too. So also the chill BP, I know in the beginning, I wasn't remembering the, the it's B as in bucket and P as in production. It's a nice, simple and .com. So it's chillbp.com. When you get to that page, the link to the information about this play, you need to click on that link at the top. And sometimes you may not see the whole thing because it's a subscribe button, but just Look for the coffee cup, click on it, and you'll get to the page. And please get your tickets. Get them now. Speaking of coffee cups, because people ask me, my aunt, she's like, is that cup for like sale? Can I buy that too? And I'm like, oh, I don't you know. know what? We should. We talked about it. Right. I just want to say something that just Jeff brought up earlier about, about the music. Frank Louis Pisani. Uh, Frank Pisani is a dear friend of mine. I've written uh, several songs with him. And today I put together the, the, all the songs that we're going to do instrumentals of are songs that I either written on my own or co-written with him. So uh, this is really a come together thing for me. It feels really good, especially because of Frank's involvement. And uh, there are 13 songs that I, I got the sheet music uh, today all together and stuff. And uh, that's in the first half hour. And Jeff also mentioned after the play, we're doing a, a Q and A uh, as Dakota and, and Jeff both know. Uh, Jeff, I think is hosting the Q and A. And for people who stream live, and we didn't talk about this yet, Jeff, but people who stream live and obviously, cause it's the computer and stuff, in order, if they have a burning question or want to interact, we're going to set up a phone number. No, there's a chat. There's a chat. Oh, okay. All right, great. Okay. So then, and who's going to monitor the chat? VJ. Hey, beautiful. All right. So anyone who's streaming live, know that you could ask your questions and stuff. So we're going to have that also. It's going to be very, very entertaining. You're going to have a great time. Please come to the play. All right. Any last words, director? 
No, thank you so much, Steve, for doing this. We awesome. had such a good time. Yes, this was definitely fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You listening to News in Progress, the Red Eye Media Group. I'm Tahira, and we are out.